This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to the Bottom Line, Casey Law's business programme. I'm John Purcell. Later on the programme, I'll be speaking to Jimmy Mulhall about his journey with the Cool and All farm business. From being an organic farmer to working in the hospitality business, the farmer's market movement to his family's latest venture, the opening of the Cool and All food hall on Dublin Street in Carlow. But first, to an announcement by one of this area's leading entrepreneurs that he's decided to step down from the position of chief executive of the company, which he co-founded 17 years ago and which now employs 550 staff and with a turnover of over 60 million euros. David Walsh of Netwatch, you're very welcome to The Bottom Line. Good morning, John. How are you? Yeah, now tell us about this decision. Caught a few people, including myself, by surprise. You've decided to step aside. Well, Netwatch is on a great growth uh, trajectory and we've had wonderful growth and expansion over the last 17 years Uh, much of that expansion obviously has happened outside of the island of Ireland in terms of customer acquisition the US market is a huge market for us we entered the US back in 2012 we were very fortunate that the then Taoiseach in the Kenya launched our business in Boston Uh, and that was a springboard I guess that most Irish companies don't have Uh, and then we we grew from there so now as you say we have 550 staff across the group it's a, it's a large number of people. There's no doubt in my mind, but in terms of customer acquisition and uh, where the real potential is, lies across the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, I, I've been flying back and forth pretty much every two weeks for the last seven years. I, I think it's time to bring somebody into the organisation based in the United States as CEO, that somebody that has the energy, the passion, the ambition and the vision, but most of all, somebody that understands our culture as an organisation, which has been fundamentally important to our success story. You know, I, I'm often asked, what has been the, our greatest success? Is it the technology? Is it the fact that we went international? Yeah, and all those things are important, but but they're only important because people made it important, the people in the organisation. And, and what, what we discovered is this, that when you surround yourself with a group of people who truly believe in what you believe, then great things happen. Mm. Our motivation in day one of setting up Netwatch was not to make big revenues or big profits. In my view, that should never be the motivation of a startup. It should be the result. The result of doing the right things and doing those things better than anybody else in the world. So Netwatch started, I guess, if you like, from the ashes of three outstanding organisations, the sugar company, Braun and Lapple, who between them contributed 150 years to the fabric of Carlo society. So our motivation back in the day was to build a global organisation, build it in Carlo, and play our part in filling the void left by those four great, or three great companies. And we knew from day one that we needed to surround ourselves with people who believed in that global vision people who wouldn't be rattled by the fact that from a, a very small startup, three people, that we could grow an organisation like we've done today. And I've often said this because it's very, very important that Carlo companies should back Carlo companies. Our very first uh, client was Swans Electrical Carlo. A great, a gr- unbelievable Carlovian. He's always put Carlo companies first. Uh, and he, he got it. He believed in us back in the day. But for us to grow from there to 250, a quarter Remember of a million... Remember Brian, uh, Brian Cowan coming and launching your uh, Carlo Centre? Uh, again, you know, so thing, good things happen to those people who reach out. And if you remember that, that actual time, that was 2010, bang, smack, in the middle of the recession. I wrote a letter to, to Brian Cowan 
to see if he'd come down, you know, and he said he would. Straight away, it was only a matter of picking a date. So on the 28th of April 2010, he came down. And again, that was another springboard for us. We were launching at that stage our international hub in Carlow. And, uh, you know, that had a profound effect all over the globe. It was Mm. the story was picked up and you drive on from there. But uh, but I can't stress enough that over the years, and we've had some really big successes. And You know, we're actually in business 66 quarters. And we've grown every single quarter, without exception, because of the people in the organisation. They put their sto- shoulder to the wheel. I often get the credit for it, but the credit sh- should go to them. Um, your passion and enthusiasm is enormous and obvious to see. Tell us a bit about the internal conversation then that you had to bring you to, to today when you're making this announcement to the public. Well, two years ago, we started into a situation in the United States where we wanted to acquire a couple of companies. And one on the west coast of the United States and one down on the south. So we're Netwatches, organically very strong on the east coast, Boston, New York, New Jersey. We wanted to complement that. So we we acquired two companies, as I said, one in Los Angeles and one in Houston, Texas. Uh, And then after that, so you bring a company together and, uh, you know, there was a a lot of people reporting into myself. So in order to be highly effective, we started looking at different structures in the organization. And one of the structures was to bring in a chief operating officer, which many companies do when they get to that scale, who would take a lot of pressure off the CEO. And the more you stand back from it, the more you see, you know, what's possible. And, you know, traveling back and forth to the U.S., albeit that it's uh, it's, it's not easy, but still, you can do it when you're growing fast and when, when there's a, an air of excitement about it. But it became very obvious to me that in order to really maximize the opportunity that the USA pres- uh, uh, presents, you need to have somebody on the ground full time, not somebody who's flying around. You know, the, the market will put up with that for a while, but they'll expect you to invest heavily in the marketplace. And that we do. So I, I've come to the conclusion that it, it's absolutely necessary. I know a lot of people Netwatch are disappointed of the decision I've made uh, but look the, 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 the people that we have in Netwatch were chosen to be in Netwatch for three reasons one is that they have a, a natural positive disposition in life themselves which they have I, I think that's critical to success two is that they take ownership of events and obviously in the business that we're in taking responsibility for our clients properties is very very important and the third point the characteristic of Netwatch employees is that they don't just accept change but they embrace change Mm. So, albeit that last Friday's announcement may have been a shock to them, I know in my heart and soul that to have the genetic material to live with it and cope with it and understand in time that it's certainly the best move for the company. Talk to me a bit about that positive uh, outlook that you have, because I can remember back in 2010 doing a programme over in Carlow, and before I did it, watching the national news and the IMF were being uh, called mm. in, and I remember going into an event in the Seven Oaks, and I think interviewing you, and the positivity gave me a great lift and everybody else in the room. Where does that come from? How can be developed in business? Well, there's no doubt in my situation, it came from my uh, upbringing in County Kerry. Uh, And people often ask me, you know, what what determines how do we turn out in life? Is it our genetic material or is it the environment in which you grew up? I think it's a combination of both. Uh, Particularly, uh, my mother was an amazing woman. Uh, She was born in the 1920s, as was my dad. But she had this notion even 40 years ago about visualisation and how important visualisation was that when you want to achieve something in life, then you actually visualise it and take positive steps to make it happen. And my dad, Lorty Mersenham, was very quick to throw in his tuppence worth, and he'd say, whatever you do, avoid negative, pessimistic people. Because, as he said, the energy vampires, he's called them, they'll drag you down, they'll try to kill a good idea. So I think it's key to have a positive attitude yourself and then to surround yourself with positive people because there's a collective good when that happens. And, you know, we know ourselves that, you know, and that doesn't mean that there are individuals out there 
who don't have a natural positive disposition. That doesn't make them bad people. It, it means that, that, that they should be suited to a different organisation. So our, our modus operandi in Netwatch was to, day one, was to strategically position Netwatch as a high-value proposition. We were trying to build a very close, intimate relationship with our customers. We knew that when somebody installed a Netwatch system, that they were putting their business, their livelihoods, often their loved ones, in our care. So we have a moral obligation. So when you surround yourself with people who have that, that natural disposition and looking from a positive perspective, looking for solutions as opposed to identifying problems, well, then you're a long ways down the road of success. And tell me, um, many people may have the misapprehension that just because you have such a positive outlook, you haven't faced setbacks. Have you had setbacks over the years in Netwatch? Oh, we've had several setbacks and several challenges over the years. But, but, but again, we, we, we worked out years ago that things would happen outside your control. And you have to accept them and it's how you respond to those things is the important thing. Secondly, there are things that can happen that are within your control. So you need to control the things that you can, that, that are within your remit, and then how you respond to, 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 to the outside world when things happen, when challenges happen. For instance, just you, you mentioned the recession earlier on. Like in 2008, we brought all our staff together for the first time. At that stage, we only had 46 in people working in the company. Uh, and we, we spoke about what was coming down the tracks in relation to the economic uh, downturn. And we had uh, two options. We'd been very successful from 2003 to the end of 2007. We could have wrapped our arms around what was previously achieved and hope that we would be around when this uh, recession blew over, or we could invest heavily. And that's what we decided to do. At a time when, when all our competitors were closing down their R&D departments, we opened ours. When our competitors were cutting and dropping their marketing budgets, we trebled ours. We made a huge decision at the time, which was just amazing, and it was a, a member of staff that suggested it, is that, look, we had a really good relation with our customers, really high quality service, really good technology. If we were as good as we said we were, why wouldn't we give away our products and services free of charge to our customers and charge them for the relationship over a five-year period? And that's what we did. That, that was our reaction to the, to the recession and to the challenges that the recession were bringing to us. Uh, and, and it worked. And that came from some member of staff, Alison, actually in reception in our area, said, if we are that good, why don't we do this? It turned out to be a strategy of... Uh, huge proportions and, and transformed our organisation. So you talked about the re- recession in 2010. We're facing into Brexit um, in less than 100 days. Uh, quickly, what's the David Walsh top three tips for Brexit and how to get your head well, around it? Well, my view is this. No, nobody really knows what's going to happen. And that's, that, is, that is part of the problem. Uh, and the single biggest enemy of investment is uncertainty. Right. So, but having said that, there are 60 million people in the UK. The day after Brexit, there's going to be 60 million people there again. They will have to be serviced in the, in, with all the services that's required. There is no doubt, but Irish companies are as, be, are as well positioned as any. Right Now, there will be challenges where perishable goods are being, are being transported. But again, there'll be solutions there too. There will be, and I think people need to approach it from a positive perspective. They need to approach it as, a, as, a, as an opportunity as much as a challenge. And if we do that, we can make progress. In our situation, to buffer ourselves from any large impact, a negative impact from Brexit, we, we bought a company in the UK in last year, the year before. So, so we are, you know, that, that company will continue to trade. All our business in the UK will come through that. Uh, and we're somewhat uh, uh, insulated from the downside. David, what next for you? Are you going to uh, maintain an input into uh, Netwatch? Oh, most definitely. I, I still remain the single biggest shareholder. We have an institutional shareholder in, in terms of Riverside, who's a great partner to ourselves. So I will obviously remain on the board. I will be able to contribute enormously to the board from a strategic perspective. In fact, in a funny way, uh, being a, a, a 
the director on the board and having the experience that I have and the, all the information from a ground level up, I can probably achieve an awful lot more. And then work with the new CEO that comes in in order to help to make sure he delivers or she delivers and um, flexible in that respect. Once we get the right person into the organisation, that's what's critical. So if it's, a, if it's a he or a she, it really makes no difference. I need to support them to make sure they get up to, to turn them into success. And new projects for you? Well, I'm going to. I've, I'm, I'm very, very passionate about entrepreneurship. There's two things I'm really passionate about. One is Carla, as you know, uh, and certainly one is entrepreneurship. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, ideas that people have come to me over the years for advice and stuff like this. I've been asked to, to join the boards of other companies, uh, and I've refused it up to now because I just couldn't give it a full commitment. So uh, as, as, we, as I get more time to myself, I'm obviously going to spend more time with my family. Uh, Beatrice and the kids Beatrice to be fair to her has done most of the heavy lifting in terms of rare now three kids they're all the eldest is 20 now uh, but then I want to work with some I'd love to work with some startups uh, and help them to build the next netwatch The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice www.onf.ie Okay, I'm sitting here upstairs in the Coolanall Food Hall in Dublin Street in Carlow with uh, Jimmy Mulhall, uh, the man behind this venture and uh, who's developed it with his family. It's it's the culmination of a long journey which began uh, back in the 70s, even the 70s all the way through the 80s and 90s. Jimmy, tell us a bit about the growth of the whole Coolanall enterprise. Um, John, we decided, I suppose, back in the early 2000s, with the, uh, I got quite disillusioned with farming and conventional farming, and I, did, and I started making investigations into organic farming and decided to turn the farm organic then in 2001. So that was the start of the meat business and uh, getting our own shop, which I'm, I'm thinking of for the last 10 years, and I've only got, re- I've only got to do it now. In last week, <laughs> but you've you've been on the road, so to speak, bringing oh. you to this day. Oh, yes. you, you you started um, bringing the mountain to Muhammad, I suppose. After when you did the transfer over to the organic, people weren't banging down your door, so you decided to go out and find markets. Tell us about that. Yes, I thought. Yes, the market the market for organic wasn't developed really, so I decided. I had to go out to people and we started doing markets. I started one market in Carlow, we started in 2004 and uh, I quickly got two or three more and I got a van then, a custom made van, mobile shop to go on the road and with the result, and then I bought a trailer and my son came on board with me then in 2007, was it? I think it was 2007, Eddie came on board so we bought another trailer then. So, uh, culminated, we're doing seven markets a week now at the moment. Five in Dublin, one in Kilkenny, and one here in Carlow. Yeah, and um, I suppose your farm is a model of diversification, really, because you also went into um, self-catering accommodation and and a guest house. Oh, yes, uh, we developed that a little bit earlier, back in the mid-90s. After my father died, and we decided to do up the old farmhouse and we'd built an apartment for my mother and my wife Bernadine started doing a guest house B&B sort of three rooms we started off with so that started in 1995 
and it has grown quite substantial. We have a guest house and we have a function. We've done a function room and we have self-catering cottages. So that has grown quite substantial since my daughter, Lucille, our, young, my, our youngest child, Lucille, is working with Bernadine, my wife, and they run that end of the business. And um, I think the demand for your meat products has been such that you're, you, you've taken a lot of the processing work in-house. Tell us a bit about that. Yes, uh, we built our own processing unit on the farm. Uh, we opened that in 2009. So... Um, we don't have an abattoir. We use two local abattoirs, Clonmore Meats, Tommy Brennan's in Clonmore Meats there in Collection, and O'Gorman Meats in Castle Dermot. We use those two abattoirs for killing our beef and our lambs and our pigs. And we bring home everything then, the carcasses, and we do all the processing then at home. I have four full-time butchers working on the farm at home. And we do all this for sausages, curing, burgers, all the products. We make them all at home. And I, I'm not a farming person, but I'm familiar with the expression farm to fork. Um, your latest venture here in Dublin Street really is the uh, exemplification of that because there's people downstairs from us here today happily tucking into Cool and Owl produce. Tell us how this uh, Cool and Owl farm food hall came about. Well, uh, this is something that's in my head for a good few years. I'm, I'm thinking of the future and, and wondering, will the markets keep going? And the markets are hard work, John. They're very hard work, a lot of wear and tear. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at places for the last seven or eight years, and especially in Carla. Well, I was looking in Dublin first, and then I said, then I, made, I changed my mind. I said, Dublin's too far away. We couldn't, we need something that we're that's near to us that we can handle handle easier so I made my mind up then to, to come to Carlow and there was a butcher shop here Brennan's butcher shop in, in Dublin Street and they're here for over 100 years and I um, I approached him I heard he was thinking of selling and I approached him and I bought the premises off him and then I'm after refurbishing it completely and and we're opening now, it's more than a butcher shop, we're opening a butcher, there's a butcher shop in it, there's a deli, and there's a cafe, and we do cheese, we have a little cheese area in it, and on the upstairs on the first floor then, we have an area that we're going to open for a, a day restaurant. And that will be open maybe in the end of September, October. We haven't set, we haven't set a date for it yet. We need. I want to get settled down downstairs and have everything running smoothly there first. And the shelves stocked with both your own produce and a lot of other locally produced uh, goods. Tell us about the range of stuff that you you have here. Well, we have a range of local jams. Um, we're making some stuff ourselves, like hummus and chutney. Uh, we have two. We have three bread or bread makers, uh, so we're um, what other projects? We have some dry goods in, like pasta. We have uh, we have porridge then from the Merry Meal uh, over in, in Vickerstown in Lee. So we're trying to source uh, local as well as organic. Now, if it's local, some local, small local producers, we're giving them, we're taking them, and, you know, we can't have everything 100% organic. But that's the... We're trying to steer people into doing organic and promoting organic, so... That's, uh, that's the aim in the long run. And since you've opened on Friday the 9th, very positive uh, reaction, and it's a great buzz in the area, you're hopeful this will kind of 
add to the continuing resurgence of Dublin Street? Yes, I feel I feel it will. We're after making a big investment here now, and um, I can see other people coming in. I see the even the the, uh, the Carla County Council have a renewed interest in the town centre. So everyone, I see there's great goodwill, and I I can only see it improving. Um, that is happening on the continent. We have friends from France that come to stay with us every year, and they said the very same thing has happened in France over the last few years. The town centres, people are, are coming to life again, and they've gone through the same cycle as we, only, only much earlier, and their towns are... People like to be in the old town, and old, you know, and they like to be with small businesses, more personal touch, and that's... So they're the people we've been dealing with at the markets, and that's... That's what made me sort of confident. I'm dealing with them people and talking to them all the time. And they're very happy that we're going to the markets and that they have, that they have us there, you know. So I think it should work. That's how I felt. I'm fairly confident that this is going to work. In a business sense, you started really diversifying, I suppose, from pure farming in the 90s. That's quite a, a way back now. What kind of lessons have you learned along the way? Well, the lessons I've learned is that you have to go and get your own markets. Maybe that's the main lesson. You have to go and there's no point in... And I was farming subsidies and it, it's very... It's not a very creative way to be farming. Like, uh, it's, I get great satisfaction now when we're out and people are coming to you and they're buying their produce and they're happy with it. Whereas if you're selling your cattle to a factory, they'd be too fat or they'd be too thin or they wouldn't, they'd be, wouldn't be... You know, they're very unsatisfactory, you know, and I can see the farmers, especially at the moment, beef farmers are getting a terrible going over, you know, with prices. They're, they're losing money, and it's, it's very difficult. So. And your family involved in the business at a number of different levels? Yeah, my son is involved with me. Uh... My son-in-law is running the farm at home. Uh, my grandson, he's there. You saw him there, the chap with the red hair. That's my, that's my grandson. So my daughter's working outside in the in Coolnowl House with Bernadine, my wife. So I have outsiders as well. I, I have very good people working. I have very good, two very good chefs who we've got to know over the last four or five years from doing functions at home. And we've got to know them, and we've been telling them about this coming up. So, and they were confident. They were confident that you know they had to give up jobs to come to, and that has a big thing to, for a chef to do if he has a steady job to give it up. And you know you have to have fair good faith in where you're going. So, but they know as well, and they've been working with us for a few years. So the, they have great faith and great, you know, they know it'll work as well. That's great, Jimmy, and uh, thanks very much for having us here today. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie Jimmy Mulhall of Cool and Owl Food Hall there telling us about his business journey. And I must say that the Cool and Owl Food Hall is a lovely addition to Dublin Street in Carlow. Do drop along and support a great local business. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small. Now there's just time to let you know 
about a few events and initiatives that may be of benefit to you happening in this area in the coming days. The National Employer Roadshow comes to Kilkenny on Monday next between 9 and 11.30 in the morning and it's designed to promote the employer services available from the Department of Employment Affairs and Social Protection. I'll be going along and I hope to bring you a report on what's going on there in the programme next week. If you'd like to go along yourself, you can register online. Simply search National Employer Roadshow Kilkenny and the link to book tickets will pop up. Arc Labs in the WIT School of Business are looking for early stage entrepreneurs to take part in their new Frontiers programme. If you've got three hours a week to spare over eight weeks, you're invited to check it out on wit.ie forward slash new frontiers and the date for entries to the carlo business awards has now passed but it's advisable to start thinking about booking a ticket last year the event which was a top class show was a sellout the event takes place on thursday september 26th and will be emceed by casey law's own emer neve on do book a ticket not to be missed that's about all we've got time for on the bottom line this week if you'd like to listen back to the program you can subscribe to the podcast through apple itunes store google play or anywhere podcasts are available it's even available for you to listen to on spotify simply search for the bottom line casey law if you would like your business to be featured on the program or you have an idea for a business or a topic you'd like to see us cover you can email the program at the bottom line at caseylaw96fm.com thanks to the ever patient john Keane on sound supervision deirdre drummy produced i'm john purcell until next saturday at nine have yourself a good weekend and enjoy the week KCLR's Bottom Line. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie